Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so glad to come to you again on the beginning of this week, which is now Monday, June the 15th of 2020. Uh, we pray that you have had a, a good weekend with your family. I know over the weekend, uh, some things began to open up, and I know many people are so anxious to go out and at least do something, but thank God that um, we're here, we have life, and there's still hope as long as we have the Word of God. We welcome all our listeners, wherever you are tuning in from, whatever part of the world, whatever part of our nation you're tuning in. It is a privilege, it is an honor to be able to come together. We thank you for taking out of your time uh, to join us today as we study the Word of God. And I'm looking forward to what God has for us this week. I know God has a fresh word, a fresh manna, as we like to say in, in, you know, in, in the study of the word that we do here in this podcast, we like to take a look at it from a prophetic lens in this hour and how it's relevant for today and what God is saying for today. So continue to help us uh, pray, prayfully pray for us, pray for these podcasts, help us to pray also uh, that God will continue to take this podcast to places where the need is. Amen. As always, it is a it is a pleasure to be here with the panel, with the Brother Marty, Brother Fernando. It's good to open up the Word and study the Word of God uh, with you in this hour. And so without further ado, I'll leave it with Brother Marty uh, as we begin this week to share what God has placed in his heart as we study the Word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Monday. 2020 in a world gone absolutely insane. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, other than that, everything's cool, man. No, it's good. It's good to be back. We spent five days last week talking about uh, as it was in the days of Noah, and uh, and then we're going to continue. Uh, there's a lot more that we can glean here, and and some things that I want to. Uh, allow the Lord to have me and my brothers bring out by his grace, and we pray it will encourage you. Uh, there's some things we still have yet to look at. Today we're going to be discussing uh, the phrase, and, and we're going to go back and forth throughout the scripture here in Genesis chapter 6. But I want to begin, if you have your Bibles uh, today, um, in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 18. Some of you might be saying, man, what is it that you can still dig out of the story? Well, wait, you're going to see some pretty, you're going to see some pretty amazing things, I think. I hope so, at least. And and, and so, so verse 18, uh, this is, can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, verse 18? Yes, yes. <clears throat> the word of the Lord says, but with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. Amen. So the emphasis is going to be on the phrase, with thee I will establish my covenant. And what that literally is uh, to us and, and what we need to look at. Now remember, the the Word of God teaches us, as, as those of you who have been following us for quite some time now, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and that all scripture was given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that no prophecy is of any private interpretation. 
In other words, all prophecy deals with Christ. And in, in a deeper sense, all scripture is prophetic, is, is, is prophetic in its nature. From the beginning all the way to the end and from the end to the beginning, the Bible says God is declaring what he is doing and, and how he will do it. And so that's what we want to look at today as we go on. Uh, we ended last week uh, with uh, discussing pretty much uh, where, how Noah came up under a society that was hanging on the edge of judgment. And, and we can look at the story of Noah and understand, you know, when we look at Scripture, there's many, many ways that we can look at it because there's so many um, – What's the right word to use here? There's so many examples of not only, uh, you know, the overall theme of a story, but how it applies to us individually. That's what we focused on uh, as far as Noah's life on Friday when we talked about uh, Genesis 6, 8, and 9, where it says that Noah was just and perfect and walked with God. And we examined each and every one of those qualities and characteristics in order for us personally to look at them and ask ourselves the question, because remember when we started this last week, we were going off the words that Jesus spoke as it was in the days of Noah. And so as we began to explore the story, we began to realize there is so much more there uh, than, than meets the eye. And like we've talked about before, much of what's discussed in Genesis chapter six, in, in, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, and what is taught out of Genesis 6 is is sometimes, in my opinion, we were talking about this before we started recording today. It, you know, uh, I'm, we're not picking on anybody, but other than to say, you know, a lot of people just focus on the fallen angels and the women and the giants. And I, I get it. You know, it's fascinating and, and it's, uh, it's, you know, intriguing to explore those subject matters. But that isn't the essence of what Jesus wanted us to focus on, even though right. such things might actually happen again. He was drawing our attention to to Noah himself, and really in many, many ways, uh, as we will get into it today, the statement, I will establish my covenant with you, is a foreshadow of the one who would be the ultimate redeemer of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see Noah today, not just Noah as every man. And what every man must be reflecting in, uh, you know, in these last days that we find ourselves in so that we can hope to glean and uh, an understanding by the Holy Spirit of God of what we must be applying in our own life as we walk in these most dangerous times like Noah did. But let's begin to look from a different perspective today, because there's some incredibly beautiful things that the Lord reveals in the story of Noah and how he himself was a foreshadow and a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that, and we're going to see some nuggets hidden, which I think will really bless you and encourage you in just how incredibly beautiful, how incredibly symmetrical, and how incredibly profound the Word of God is, and how he always hides nuggets in there. And so we're going to look at some of those things. But one of the things that we want to, and the reason that we say he's a type of Christ is because there's only three people in the entirety of the Bible that God mentions that should he destroy the whole world, they would be the only three that would be saved. One was Noah, one was Job, 
and one was Daniel. And all three of them portray characteristics of Elohim, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, all three of them paid the price for our salvation. And and so if if you look at and dig into those three individual lives, you will also see all three of them are a type of Christ. In Job's sense, for instance, God said that he hadn't done anything wrong, right? And the devil wanted uh, the uh, the opportunity to to take him out. And God said, "You can you can take everything from him, but you can't take his life." That 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 was in in God's life. And and Jesus would go on as a type of Christ. And Jesus would go on and say that no man took his life, right? No man can take my life, just as the devil right. couldn't take Job's life, right? And and he would suffer tremendously, uh, just as he was a type of Christ who would suffer. And then in the end, he gets a double portion of sons and daughters, representing. You know, the Lord uh, not only having his brethren saved again, that, that is Israel, but also the church. So it's a double portion. So we see a type of, of Christ in Job, but also we see a type of Christ in, in the prophet Daniel, right? I mean, I think of the, the, the type of Christ in Daniel when, uh, when, when they went and they tried to take him and kill him. And what did they end up doing? They threw him in a, in a pit, right? And they covered him with the, the, the right. pit with the stone and he's down there with the lions right which is a type of christ going down into hell and uh and god stopped the lion's mouth for daniel just as 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 the devil had no power over the lord too and then in the morning right it says early in the morning they take the stone away and they and daniel comes up out of the out of the pit just as jesus early in the morning had the stone removed and he he emerged from the tomb of the grave so daniel is also a type of christ in so many ways which we don't have time to get into all those things but we're trying to show you that god reference i think it's in ezekiel where he said that in ezekiel 14 somewhere in there where he said if these three were alive these are the only three that would survive because they're all types of christ <laughs> and so today we want to look at this and we want to explore particularly uh the types of christ that we see in the coming judgment and and what noah actually did now now let's take a look are you guys with me <laughs> just jump in with yeah. everyone okay so let's take a look at this because first of all we see what the lord said brother, in, in verse 11 are you gonna say something brother marty yeah, yeah. The, what the scripture you're referencing you're referencing to is ezekiel 14 14 though these three men noah daniel and joe were in it they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. So just just for a point of reference for the people yes. of what you just yes. said, Ezekiel yeah, 14. Thank you. 14. Right. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that because that verifies what we were talking about, right? So as God said, Noah, uh, Daniel, Job, they're the only three human beings. But they really reflect, you know, both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in many ways. Uh, yes. And we don't, right? We don't have time to get into it, but it's threes. It's a multiple of three, and and in all senses they represent Christ because God was manifested in the flesh. So let's take a look at this because first of all, what we see in in verse eleven and twelve. Can you read that to us? And thirteen, brother Jeremy, six, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Yes. yes. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth and god said unto noah the end of all flesh is come before me 
for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So what we see, as we were talking about last week, and again, we start today with verse 11, is some very interesting things. And remember, we're, we're going to present Noah to you today as a type and a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we get to that, we're going to look at the conditions that were just leading up prior to God speaking to Noah and revealing to him that the end has come, that it was now time for the judgment to come. First of all, remember what the Lord says in the, book, in, the, in the New Testament. He says, in the fullness of time, God sent Christ, right? So it, it has that same kind of feeling in verse 13 when God tells Noah, now it's come. You know, now the judgment has come. The fullness of time has come. And he begins to address Noah and then begins to tell Noah exactly what he must do. But before we get into that, let's take a look at verse 11 because it's very interesting how Moses wrote this. Notice what he says, the earth also, in verse 11, chapter 6 of Genesis, verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God. And then notice verse 12 says, and God looked upon the earth. So he makes a distinction there of the conditions and how judgment literally comes about. Notice what it says that in verse 11, that the earth was corrupt before God. Notice it doesn't say the earth was corrupt before the Lord. It says that the earth was corrupt before God. Now, when you get into the Hebrew, there is a distinction between Lord, which is the name of the Father, or Echovah. In Hebrew, it's it's the letters Yod, He, Vav, and He. You know, that's how they spell Echovah. They really don't even know how to say it, but it's the Lord. But when we see here in verse 11, the word God is used, which is Elohim. And the reason that is, is to give us an understanding and an indication that the judge, whenever the judge is about to judge something, that is the Lord, he is referred to as Elohim. And we who are Christian understand that Elohim is is all three in one, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when it talks about this corruption coming up before Elohim, it's literally saying that that the case of what was taking place on the planet rose all the way into the very courtroom of heaven and came before the Lord. And then the Lord's attention in verse 12 begins to focus upon the earth. Now, remember what we know in verse 3 is that he has already revealed that he, is, he has limited the history of mankind to 120 years. So by the time that we get to verse 11 and 12, we see that that time is running out. We're, 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 we're being limited now to several more decades, probably about 100 years now, by the time that we get to verse 11 and 12. So corrupt and so all-encompassing was the wickedness and, and the corruption and decay. That's how the Bible puts it there in verse 11. The earth was corrupt. And the word corrupt means to be marred, to be injured, or to be in a position of decay. And so it's as if the earth itself, and we know from Romans chapter 8, right? It says that the earth groaneth, right? Waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It has, right. that, same, it has that same feeling as if the planet itself was expressing uh 
you know, a, a sense of, of spiritual quality, for lack of a better word, not to sound too new agey, because that's not where I'm talking about. It's the planet right. itself and, and what was transpiring upon it reached all the way up through the heavens into the very courtroom of God and came before the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's literally what it means is that it was corrupt before God. It came up into his face. And the earth was filled with violence, or to, or in essence, the word violence means to have cruelty, injustice, oppression, and also robbery and unjust gain, oppression of the poor without care for people, so to speak. Every man, like he said earlier, was only thinking about himself, right? His thoughts were only on evil continually. So it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating insight here as to whether we realize it or not, what is actually sounding forth from the planet Earth, and and it comes up into the very heavens themselves. The Earth was corrupt before Elohim. The Earth was filled with violence. And now Elohim's attention is turning toward the Earth. God looked upon the Earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way. He's not talking about flesh there. He's talking about the way of God as revealed to our to the original parents, as as revealed to the uh, the ten generations before this. Everything that God had set as to being the standard and the parameters and the way of conducting themselves, and we know that the creation itself reveals those things because that's what Paul said in chapter one of Romans that the creation testifies the eternal Godhead, the power of God, so forth and so on, that that we see that, that the entirety of all creation upon the earth had had reached this point of where God's inspection of it brought him to the conclusion it was time to judge it. And there was reasons for that. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now in verse 13, we see that God turns his attention Noah. And remember, what we're discussing here is that we're going to look at Noah now from this point on because judgment's about to come. And what he reveals to Noah in relation to how he's a type of Christ. Because the Bible says this, right? It says this of the Lord Jesus. Yea, uh, I come to do thy will, O God. It is written of me in the volume of the book, right? Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In other words, Jesus was revealing in those scriptures that are quoted in the book of Hebrews that the intent of God and the solution of God was revealed to Christ at the precise moment that it was necessary. And so when we have God in verse 13 speaking to Noah and revealing to him that the end of all flesh has come and that destruction and judgment is about to come, it is the same kind of insight that we get into what was revealed to the Son himself. Noah as a type of Christ, Christ also having revealed to him that judgment would come. Now, God reveals to Noah also in verse 14 something really cool because he's basically revealing to him now in verse 14 to make an ark. And so he begins to reveal to Noah the way by which creation itself is going to be preserved. Now, before we get into that, I want to look at this. Let's consider what we see 
again, with Noah as a type of Christ. And now let's read it from that perspective, Noah as a type of Jesus, Genesis 6, 8, and 9. Would you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repented me that I have made them. But, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So what God states there is he's going to have to destroy everything. Now, Noah as a type of Christ, our attention is drawn to Noah. Because what this is revealing, Noah as a type of Christ, is that God was looking for a way by which he could preserve the human race and by which he could preserve all creation. He states it needs to be judged. He states he's going to wipe it all out. But then he turns his eyes and speaks of the grace that is found in one man. It's going to be by one man, just as it is by one man, the man Christ Jesus, that God chose to save everything. Now, look how he describes Noah in verse 9, because, and, and we'll talk about that. Read that, would you, verse 9? These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So the three characteristics that are applied to Noah here, really, Noah as savior of the world that then was, right? Noah as type of Christ can only be said of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself, right? Because what we know about Noah are three things. He was just, he was perfect, and he walked with God. And like we talked about a few podcasts ago, the word just means to be not only just on the outside by by deeds and works, but completely justified on the inside, a perfect person indeed and in the interior quality of his spirit. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was without sin, which is what he goes on to reveal next, right? He was perfect in his generations. The word perfect means to be without spot, to be without blemish, and to be completely, totally complete in that holiness without blemish and without spot. He's describing the qualities of the Lamb of God. Because the Lamb of God had to be without spot, without blemish, and and complete and entirely that way. Whenever they would inspect the Lamb, they had to go from head to toe. His complete body was inspected and had to be without blemish and without spot. And then the third thing is he's conversant with God. He walks with God. No one walked with God uh, closer ever (laughs) than his only son. So Noah as a type of Christ, remember again, we're talking prophetically here, and the foreshadows and types that speak of our Lord. So he was just, both outwardly and inwardly. He is the perfect Lamb of God in his generations. Remember we talked about the line of Noah is the Seth line, and and and, uh, and right. Jesus is in the line of Seth. So he's both. He qualifies in the lineage, just like Jesus qualified in the lineage. Uh, uh, that is given in in Luke chapter 2, I believe it is. 
where the lineage starts with Jesus, goes all the way back through Noah and then and then through Seth, Adam, and then God. So when it says he was perfect in his generations, it has both qualities in it. He was perfect in his lineage, but he was also perfect in that he was without spot and blemish. That's the words that's used to describe Father Noah here, and that is why we know he's a type of Christ. Because outwardly and inwardly, he's just. Uh, when you look at the totality of his life, he's without spot and blemish, which is the requirement for the Savior of the world. And he walks with God. And, and, and that can really only be said of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So all three components. Go ahead. Over the weekend, you know, also in that word just, I also found that it means to be upright. And um, the reason why I bring that out is because when you read in verse 12 that all flesh had corrupted his way, that word way means uh, you corrupt. It means to, to bend, right? And and yet yes. uh, we see here how Noah was walking upright. And then also when it talks about perfect, another word that I discovered for it too was it means to be unimpaired. And when I think about in, in being impaired, I think about eyesight. He was unimpaired, you know, by what was going on. He kept up himself upright, you know, as Jesus walked, you know. He said, I'm about yeah. my father's business. I just wanted to bring that out. Uh, so much beauty in, in the Hebrew language with these words that really tell us about what you're talking about, the character of Noah. Yes, and, and the character of Noah as Christ, right? So what as we're Christ, seeing yes. here... Right. So what we see here then is that outwardly and inwardly, he's just, uh, he was perfect in his generations, just as Christ is perfect in his lineage, as it pertains to the seed of David, according to the flesh, the Bible says, but also without spot and blemish as it, portray, as it pertains to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then walking with God as being conversant with God and understanding his perfect will, because as we talked about that last week, to walk with God means to have God reveal to you specifically and precisely what it is that he's doing and what he intends for you to do in response to what he reveals to you he's doing. So that's why the, the Lord would say of him, of his own self, I, I only do what the Father has told me and what the Father has showed me. We see all three characteristics in Noah. When we go on and look at this in the next few minutes, what we're going to see is that whenever God tells Noah to do something, it's always specifically singular him. And and the reason that he points him out as a single entity is because he is the prophetic type of the one who will preserve the, the entirety of the human race in the future, forever. You know, Noah died, but Jesus didn't. So he's not a perfect type of Christ, right? But he, 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 he dies after 950 years. So, uh, you know, he, his longevity even speaks of, of an enduring uh, one that was yet to come. Now, listen, what's interesting now when we go on from there is is that God turns our attention to Noah, and now he mentions his three sons, right? right. Verse 10, he says, yes. and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, what I'm going to tell you is something that, you know, you can take it or leave it, but I believe it's something the Lord has caused me to pay attention to because again i'm going to continue to reiterate this so people don't get confused we're talking about looking at noah as a foreshadow of the lord jesus christ we talked about his qualifications 
We talked about the revelation that the father gave to Noah, that, that judgment was coming. And then he begins to specifically identify to Noah what must be done to preserve the whole of, of humanity. And not only humanity, but all of creation. And we'll see that in a second. So what's interesting is that first what is revealed about Noah, just as the same with the Lord Jesus Christ, is his qualifications. He's just, he's without blemish, and he's going to be, he's the one who walks with God. So this is all being revealed before the actual uh, type of Calvary and the resurrection is revealed in this story, which we're going to see here in a second. So in many ways, that's the same thing that happens uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's revealed, <laughs> he's revealed in advance, and his qualifications are revealed. Remember by John the Baptist? And, and and there's water involved there too, but I don't want to go too deep into this. But see, <laughs> he sees him and he, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the testimony of, of, of John about Jesus was the same about as it was about Noah that, that, that Moses was writing here when he tells the Pharisees, I'm not even worthy to unloose his, his, his sandals, right? He, he, he talks yeah. about him that way. So it's it's the same hint or foreshadow or spirit of it that we're seeing here. So those qualifications of Christ that were revealed to us in the gospel came well before he ever went to Calvary. So it's the same premise. The qualifications of Noah are mentioned well before the ark is even constructed. And then something interesting, and if you can see it, you can see it. If you can't, no, 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 <laughs> don't worry about it. Now, after mentioning his qualifications, he now mentions Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? In verse 10? Yes. Yes. Well, it, it, if you can see it, they, what are they types of then? To me, this is what they're types of. God had Jesus have three specific individuals that were always close to him, right? Peter, James, and John. Right. I know, I know. So <laughs> I don't know if you can hear what I'm telling you, but but see his sure, first. Sure. Can you right? So so we but see again we're talking about the flow of the chapter of Genesis six, right? We're talking about how Christ would come, how his qualifications are announced, and then three specific individuals who would be key to ensuring a new population is born. <laughs> so, which is why he mentions Shem, Ham, and Japheth, because they're right. going to be the ones that help him create a whole new world, a whole new humanity, but a little more on that later. So if you can see it, Shem, Ham, and Japheth are a foreshadow, at least in my opinion, of Peter, James, and John, as we relate the types of Noah to Christ himself. Now, verse 14. What does he tell him to do? Can you read verse 14, uh, Jeremy? Yes. Yes. It says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. All right. So again, let's review what we're talking about. Noah is the type of Christ. So when Noah, first what, what's, what's presented to us in Genesis 6, 1 through uh, 7 is the, is the case against humanity and all creation, really, because we have fallen angels involved there, right? We've got 
all kinds of crazy stuff going on on the earth. We've got everybody's messed up and, and it's really come to this, right? So God says, I've got to judge this thing. It's the judgment of God that's coming. And then all of a sudden in verse eight, our attention is turned to one who's actually going to save the world. You know, it's as if God begins to unfold in, in this in this sixth chapter, a, a hidden prophecy of the one that's yet to come, even though this is a true story that happened, yet it's significant goes all the way to Jesus, which is why Noah is in the line of Jesus. Now, listen, he then turns our attention to Noah and talks about uh, him being the only one in the eyes of the Lord that has the kind of grace necessary that he qualifies to actually be the one that God selected to, to bring about salvation for all of humanity and really all creation. He describes him then as his ministry, right? He's just, he's without blemish, like the Lamb of God, and he walks with God. He's conversant with him. He knows his plan. That's kind of like the walk in the ministry of Jesus. He then has disciples or sons, and in Noah's case, three particular sons that our attention are drawn to. Just like in Jesus' ministry, he had three particular sons, James, John, and Peter, that would become the, the, the instruments of, of, of forging a new world, so to speak, as Noah's sons would as well. The types are there, if we can see it. Now, okay. um, so now we go from that to, to the actual process of how it's going to happen. And like Brother Jeremy read, it is revealed to Noah, just like it was revealed to Christ, what he must do in order to preserve not only himself, but everything else. And he begins by saying, make an ark. So now Noah is revealed as a builder, right? Can you see that? <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. He's he's revealed as the builder. So here we see another component and quality of Christ because Christ is the builder. Christ is the one who constructed our salvation, right? Noah as the yes. builder of the ark, Christ as the master builder of his father. And 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 what's interesting here to me is that he says make the ark of gopher wood. Now there's all kinds of debate as to what kind of wood this is as you would as you could possibly imagine. But there, there is a whole school of thought in the rabbinic community that the wood that he was talking about here is cedar wood. Others say it might be cypress. Others have other ideas. But I have a tendency to believe in the cedar wood aspect of it, uh, only because the actual Ark of the Covenant that was built in the tabernacle of, of Moses, I mean, the actual panels and, and uh, not the Ark of the Covenant, but the actual panels and construction uh, that were used in, in Solomon's temple and so forth and so on, were were made out of cedar, you know the cedars of Lebanon, right? So the ark as itself, it, it it portrays many many things, but it can portray the cross because it was wooden, right? But it can also portray, if you can see it, the whole of a of a protected dimension which has its origin out of the substance of heaven. Now this is <laughs> because it's cedar. And because that was a main component in building the actual temple in Jerusalem, the instructions that were given to uh, to David by the Spirit who gave them to Solomon. And when you read the the actual components of of the actual construction of heaven itself, uh, the the reflection of heaven on the earth, which is the temple of God, you'll see how much cedar was actually used in that. So there are a school of rabbinic thought that say that the actual ark was made out of cedar. Others uh, say that it was made out of cypress. For the purposes of our study, I would rather much focus on the fact 
that Noah is a builder, just like Christ is the builder of our salvation. And then there's interesting right. things here because it, it also says he tells him to make rooms, right? Thou shalt make mm-hmm. rooms in the ark. And what the Holy Spirit was revealing to me about that is he reminded me of what Jesus told his disciples at the Last Supper. He says, let not your heart be troubled, right? What does he say? In my father's house are many mansions, right? Right. There's many rooms. So it's as if Noah as builder is creating uh, mansions or rooms or places of, of uh, you know, hanging out, you know, when the judgment. About, right? yeah. Go ahead. What were you saying? Help me out here. <laughs> Places of rest. Yes. And and right. okay. Now again, before we go deeper into this, what I wanted to say was, when if we look at this from the perspective of personal development in the last days, it's very profound. You know, because we ourselves must work out our own salvation, right? And we need to. We'll look at Noah from a different aspect tomorrow in a more personal sense. But I first wanted to say. Let's take a look at him as a type of Christ and see what we can see. Because all right. scripture testifies about Jesus. And so far, we're doing pretty good here, I think. Right? Yes. We have, yes. We have so no- far, we got an A. <laughs> right? <laughs> so so we, got, we got Christ as builder. He is the builder of God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Right? He is before all things. Right. By him, all things consist. Right? Seen and yes. unseen. So he creates rooms. He tells his apostle, I'm going to make a place for you, right? I'm going to do it. I'm going to build it so that I can receive you unto myself. Now, the within and without, right? Pitch it within and without. It really represents protection from the judgment, from the outward and the inward. It's the seen and the unseen uh, because both were judged. But in Christ or that which Christ made, like Noah, who made something, we have safety. We have protection. Now, let's go on. Verse 15. I hope I haven't lost you, but are you with me still? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think the connection is, is, is pretty clear um, that the Holy Spirit uh, has hidden in the uh, days of Noah. We're clearly seeing uh, Noah as a type of Christ, um, as like, like you said, the builder. Um, and I like that connection you made with, with his three sons as a type of Peter, James, and John. Because that that is who uh, Jesus uh, uh, seen that everywhere everywhere he went he took those three with him, right? Whether it was to see his his glory in the in the Mount of Transfiguration uh, or or to see the resurrection power, I think with Jairus, right? The raising yeah. of Jairus' daughter, That's right. I believe, and, and 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 even in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, where yeah. mm-hmm. he suffered his agony. Um, and he took these three in particular because he knew that these would be the, the three figureheads that would uh, build the church, so to speak. He said that of Peter, but you know that Peter, James, and John uh, were, right. were paramount in this building of the church. So I think, I think we're in line. I think it's, it's a perfect type that we're seeing uh, here in what you're saying. So absolutely. I think also, too, it speaks of, of the order of God, right? Uh, first, he had to find, and he found well, who was his son, right? He found, Noah found yes. grace, right? And then the well, order of Well, stop right of, there. Of wait, wait, life. wait, 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 because don't, don't go by that thought. I want you to elaborate on it, but you just, that's right. Because remember when, in Revelation chapter 5, when uh, we're told that uh, 
that uh, who is worthy to unloose the seals and to look into the book, right? In Revelation yeah. five, and John weeps, right? Yeah. And and then yeah. he, and he says, "Don't weep for the lion of the tribe of Judah." It's as if us, us he said, "Because no man was found." Right. 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 <laughs> no man, no man was found that was worthy. So what you were just saying made me think of that because you said you know, the search was made and Noah was found, just like Jesus was found. Right. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> yeah. So it it speaks about a tremendous order that we see in Christ. Uh, it, it was Christ who was the only one who was found worthy to open the seals, as you just said. And then we we see the the character of his, in, you know, in his in his earthly ministry as a man. Right. He was yeah. just, right? As you said, perfect. And he walked close to his father. And yeah. and in it and in it we also see what you um what you said. He was also the builder as he told his disciples, I go, you know, be in yeah. trouble. I go to prepare a place where you're at. So what we're also seeing is the order of, of how all of this is aligned. Um I'm not sure how to if I'm saying it correctly, but the order of God is what I'm trying to say. Through his son God's story. Yes, that that's that's a good way of putting it, brother. What did you say, brother Fernando? Uh, it's the gospel story. Um, exactly. Being told. Yeah. yeah. It is the gospel. Being I like told. that. If we if we can see it, right? Because well, even when right. we get to verse eight, it, it's it's almost like the reverse, right? Because when we get to the book of Revelation, it's kind of the opposite. In in in, in Genesis, we're seeing somebody needs to be selected to prevent the judgment. Right of everything. Let me let me, let me let me throw this let me throw this verse at uh, at you guys and, and the people that are listening. Throw this verse, but um, in Hebrews three, verse four, um, it says this: For every house is built by some man, but mm-hmm. he that built all things is God. Mm-hmm. So in the building mm-hmm. of the ark. We see Noah doing the building, but it's God who was doing the Men. building. Right. Right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and yes. that's that's okay. excellent, and that, and and that's uh, that's what we're saying, right? We, the, the type here is is showing is Noah as as God, who is Jesus, right? As Jesus, right. you know, the master builder, who constructed all things, and 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 was the author of our salvation, right? It, just as Noah was the author of the salvation of his house and of all creation. Because remember, uh, the animals and everything come into the ark, right? I mean, he saved everything <laughs> through him. And and that's, yes. that's, what, that's what he did through Christ our Lord. And so he has him make this ark of gopher wood, and, and, and inside the ark are rooms. You know, I was crucified with Christ, right? I rest in him. He's created yeah. places for me, and and the protection in Him uh, keeps the judgment on the outside and and from penetrating into the in into the unseen. It is there that He is the caretaker, the bishop of my soul, and He prepared it Himself. It is what He did on Calvary. Yeah. He constructed the means by my salvation. It's powerful to me, you know. But yeah. it's also it's also after He has been identified after the world is identified as being worthy of judgment he's found noah and then he's declared what he is in his ministry and how he's walking he then has our attention turned to a peter james and john type in shem ham and japheth and then it's revealed to him after that is revealed to us in the story that he's now told 
you need to go and 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 create uh, be, be the author of salvation for everything. That that's the building of the ark, right? So we have. That's right. I think it's, yeah, I think it's pretty cool, man. So now 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 look at this. So we have verse fifteen and sixteen begins the description of the ark's components. And can you read verse fifteen, brother Jeremy? Yes. And this is very powerful. <laughs> it's, you know, can I say something too about the art? Yeah, uh, please, looking do, at it please in, do. I feel like I'm, I feel like it, I'm hanging out here on a ledge. No, man. no, this is good. This is good, brother, because <laughs> we're getting out. You know, we're, as we're talking about Noah as a type of Jesus, and you know, whatever he builds, it abides. And this is yeah. just a little small fact that they say that. The, the ark is still somewhere. I think they found it somewhere, or they believe it's still somewhere in Turkey. I mean, through yeah. all these thousands of years, that's just symbolic to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> As yeah. Noah, a builder, that whatever God does, it abides forever. You know, I that's thought cool. that was a pretty cool fact. <laughs> I like that. All right. He is, he, no, I like that. He has not left himself without witness, right? There you I mean, go. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Yeah, that's that's really cool, man. All right, go ahead. What do you say? All right. And then this is, so I'm going to read verse 15, right, Brother Marty? Uh, yeah, read both. Read, read both. 15 uh, and 16. 14 and 15? 15 and 16, okay. Yeah. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit, shall thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shall thou make it. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. So, so <laughs> well, I don't want to get into, I mean, we could go down this, this path in such a way that people's hairs would turn gray if they're white, I mean, if they're black and They'll turn black of their way. When we talk about the the length of the ark being 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits, I don't have time to get in because this is an extensive study that would best be done um, in person with a big old chalkboard and some really cool things we can look at here. Mathematically speaking, and I'll just throw it out here, and I know it'll make some people freak out because they have so many sacred cows. But when you actually, I've done some studies on this, very, very, very few, but in the initial, which I'm beginning to study about this, what I'm seeing as broken down by, in mathematics, the actual, the actual measurements that God gave Noah are the actual, uh, when you reduce them down from an integer point of view <laughs> it it factors out to to pi all right i just lost everybody okay but look pi is is what they call the golden ratio and 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 when we get into mathematics pi is is that from which everything else is constructed it's the golden measurement and when you break down these actual measurements of the of the length the height and the and the breadth of this arc and you do it mathematically speaking <clears throat> it, it 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 actually break what god was actually instructing him to do through measurements and heights and lengths and widths he was giving him the premise of 
of the golden ratio. What Noah made, literally, in essence, is he did it by, by using the only thing that symbolizes the building blocks for everything. I know that's way out there, but that's it's incredible. And another thing. When you, now this is, this is going to make a bunch of you freak out even more because if you, and I shouldn't even bring this up. I'm not even going to bring it up. Go ahead. No. <laughs> We're already freaked out. It's all right. <laughs> well, you know, classically, the way men have imagined uh, the arc to be, <laughs> no, I can't go there. <laughs>
even more great because Jesus is the master builder, right? And he is yeah. the one who, right? And so when God gives Noah this kind of mathematical construction and tells him precision, he's reflecting wow. that, that all things were going to be remade by the master builder that would come in the future, who is who's the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Noah being a type of him. And we know we know that God we know that God is precise in yes. everything he yes. does. I mean just look at the universe. Yes. You know, the the mathematics that it took to create the universe that blows the greatest minds away. Um yes. even in the building of the tabernacle, his precision right. with 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 uh measurements. You know, we know that God is a God of measurements and precision. So, of course, he, he would have done the same thing with the art. He's, he's precise and he's perfect in everything he does. Right? Hallelujah. So, so absolutely. Yes. Amen. And, 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 and even in the builders, Brother Fernando, uh, it wasn't just any builder. It was people that he had given them wisdom how to do it. It's specific right. people that he chose. Uh, for example, in the tabernacle, that he gave him this special, I don't know how to say it, wisdom, gift, to, Abilities. <laughs> to yeah. structure, to ability yeah. to do it. So it wasn't just even anybody. It was just who he chose. And, and you're but right, very specific. Very specific. And, and, and in the book of Hebrews, aren't we told that, that when Moses, uh, it says, see that, uh, when Moses was told to build the tabernacle, it says, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown yes. you in the mouth, right? It had to be like right. Brother Fernando and you were just saying specifically mathematically uh, to to the nth degree made exactly like God revealed it to Moses. Why? I mean that's just that's just incredible because like what Brother Fernando and you guys were just saying, God is a God of precision and perfection. He is yeah. so yeah. awesome and so incredible that I remember I was talking to my daughter and I know we're going a little longer, but we're almost done. I was going, I was talking to my daughter about this yesterday and, and, and I said, I had watched a debate with Dr. Stephen Myers who wrote the book uh, on intelligent design, a scene in the genetic and DNA code of humanity, our DNA. And he talked mm -hmm. about the DNA being designed as if it's, it's computer software. And it has its own ability to fix viruses and bugs and all kinds of stuff. And he said, when you get into a micro level, uh, each and every cell is a miniature machine, and and mm, and with its, with its own, with its own like pulleys and 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 uh, levers and you know it's it, it's it's a each individual component machine. Uh, it, it, individual component cell is like a little machine. And so the guy he was debating which I was telling Mary Beth about. And I said, these guys make me laugh because they, they try and tell us there's no God. But the guy that he was debating was a Darwinist. And he, he was saying, when they gave his resume, he said, uh, they said, so what do you do? And he says, well, you know, I studied genetics. I studied DNA. And he said, I've spent the last 30 years of my life studying the flagellum, I think Mary Beth called it. It's this little thing that emits from one of these cells that make up our DNA, just one little cell, one little cell, and then it has this little piece on it. And this guy spent 30 years and still hasn't exhausted all the mysteries of that one little piece out of one little cell. <laughs> wow. Right? Amazing. Uh, this is the God. And you want to tell me there's yes. no God? 
I mean, come on. And and that's why Paul says, him with whom we have to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. my God, <laughs> like work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I mean, this is God, right, that we're dealing with here. This is God. And, and he's going to reveal himself in the not too distant future as God again. This world is, is headed right towards where it belongs. And that is right before his judgment seat, because it refuses to accept the grace that has been given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who built the ark of our salvation, right? So what do we see here in verse 15? We see just on a, on a simpler level, he says the length of the ark to be 300 cubits, the, the breadth of it to be 50 cubits, the height of it to be 30 cubits. Each one of these are, are multiples of 10. So 30 is 3 times 10, 50 cubits is 5 times 10, and 300 is 30 times 10. So we have multiples of 10. And why that's significant, not to get into the whole weird gematria numerology thing, but 10 is, is the number of completion. And 10 is also uh, the number of, of the 10th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, if you will, which is the Yot, which is representative of pure Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and I mean, there's so much more we could discuss about this, but we see hidden there that everything that was being done and revealed to Noah, who was a type of Christ, all was about pure spirit and pure spirit construction. Because what's happening here is reflecting to us what Jesus Christ actually did. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. He literally birthed a new world out of his obedience. He saved mm -hmm. the entirety of all there is. And so the next things that we see in verse 16, we see a window, right? Verse 16, thou shalt make a window in the ark. In a cubit, thou shalt finish it above. So the window is the top, and it goes all the way around. And it's a particular measurement, a cubit. And then there's a door of the ark on the side of the boat. And it, it, it encompasses, it's, it's so huge, it encompasses all three stories of the ark. It's a lower story, a second story, and a third story, and the and the door actually goes from the bottom to the top, just just below the window. And and what this was saying to us as is that the window represents the light of God from, that emits from heaven, right? The origin of our salvation is heaven, but the word window is the word uh, zohar, zohar, and it, and and its and its root word also means oil or spirit, the kind of oil that's crushed and produces light. So all of that was wrapped up in, in the salvation of humanity through Christ. And Noah was prefiguring this as he's receiving instructions on how to build this. He uses the word Zohar, the window. Its origins of our salvation come from heaven itself. And the oil that will flow as a result of this will produce the light of the world. The door in the side of the ark, you know, represents our safety uh, in Christ. Because because the door was shut by God, right? He had his whole family go in the boat, right? And the Bible right. says the door was shut by God. So once we go into this ark, it represents our Lord Jesus Christ. We were hidden in him. He shuts the door. But as we'll see in a second, too, when the ark comes to rest, the door is open. That represents mm. the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right, because when when the when the stone was rolled away, the door was open. Humanity emerges with Noah, a type of Christ, with salvation. Hallelujah! So, amen. <laughs> amen. And he ha he has him make an, a lower, a second, and a third story, 
because this is how how creation is revealed to us, right? Paul talks about the third heaven, right? The lower yes, represents yeah. the earth, right? The lower represents yes. earth. The second represents the universe. And the third story or the highest story represents heaven proper, which is where the window and the oil is, right? So to speak. Mm. The light so you, can say, you can say uh, it was a miniature tabernacle, right? It was absolutely very good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was it was the, the tabernacle before the tabernacle. It it was God. It was where God would bring salvation and reveal Himself. Um, yeah. And it's how He revealed Himself in those days. You know, yeah. uh, it yeah. was an ark. Um, so yeah. absolutely, it, you see that connection again. So we're we're deaf. You know, just in case people are saying, "Whoa, I don't, we're not causing <laughs> any violence to Scripture and, no. and seeing that type." You know, we see a type of Christ in Noah. We see a type of a, a, a tabernacle in the ark where, uh, where salvation comes from, and how God hid the gospel in the in the in in, in the days of Noah and in in the ark, it's speaking yeah. to us. You yeah. know, so if we can see it, it's powerful, very powerful. Right. That's what he says, as it is in heaven. You know that's what the tabernacle, tabernacle was was really a replica of how it was how it is in heaven, right? Absolutely. So that's that's what he that's what he was giving us. And in, and it, that, and in the tabernacle, it was, the gospel story is hid, right? Yeah. Just as it is in in the ark. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Right, I like that. That's right off the press. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was Praise good. God. Yeah, and, and because right because. Where does the light come in, right, brothers? It, it comes in the third story, right? That's where the that's the top, that's where the the light emits. And just like in the tabernacle, right, the outer court is it could be considered the first story. The holy place is the second story, or, or the or the universe itself. And the third story is heaven. In the tabernacle, the third part is where the light would shine, right? The the Shekinah glory of God. And that's why that's why it's so amazing that the window is at the top. You know, because it lets the light in. And if it represents heaven, or if it's reflective of the tabernacle, the three components, then 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 we see the perfect type. And like you said, the gospel was hidden in that. And there's so many variants we could look at here. Even the wood itself, it, it became it became the thing by which all things were hidden in it, right? Because Noah goes into this this wooden structure that he constructs, and 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 Christ would would go into that place of hiddenness. Uh, but but by way of the cross, right? But notice if 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 those who just want to camp out by the cross, remember it's not just the cross because when the when the when the judgment was satisfied, the cross comes to rest and the door opens and everybody leaves it, right? <laughs> they go out right, right. Into, into new life, into new resurrection. But we'll see that. We'll close with that in a second. So so. So then he goes on, and, and, and Noah is the type of Christ in verse 18. What does that say in verse 18, Brother Jeremy? Yes, verse 18 says, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Right. So he's using the same phraseology that he uses with his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to establish my covenant with you, right? Jesus says mm -hmm. at the Last Supper, this is a new covenant. This is a covenant cut between the Father and the Son, just a foreshadow scene in Noah, right? When God tells him, I'm going to make my covenant with you. And and yeah. and and you're going to you're going to preserve 
Listen to what he says. My covenant was, is with you, and they're going to come in with you into this place of salvation. And, and, and he says, your sons, your wife, and your son's wife. This is a foreshadow of the church of Jesus Christ because Noah had three sons. He had a wife. That's four people and three wives of the sons, right? So four plus three is seven, right? So seven were saved as a result of a covenant being cut with Noah. Seven were saved as a result of Jesus cutting the covenant with his father. Because when we see in the book of Revelation, the church is represented by that seven-branch menorah. Isn't that right? Good. Yes. So the seven represents a foreshadow of the church that was going to be saved, right? I'm going to establish my covenant with you. That's what he said to the Lord. And you're going to come into this uh, ark, which you have made. You've constructed this thing. Jesus constructed this thing. And I'm going to allow you to bring seven people in with you. Can you see it, brothers? <laughs> <laughs> no. The question is, how can you not see it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people clear. aren't. Yeah, and a lot of people aren't trained in these ways, right? As you're far right. as spiritual, yeah, right. comparing spiritual with spiritual, we just assume. But but seriously, what most people are getting out there in their churches is nothing, nothing. <laughs> so right, you know, right. a lot of times, if they hear things you're like right. we're talking about. Or they were like, what are they talking about? But just go back and study what we've been saying and, and, and let the Lord reveal it to you. So yeah. this, like he tells, I'm making a covenant with you, Noah. Again, today's subject is looking at the types of Christ in the life of Noah and the preservation of all creation. And he says, because of this covenant, you can you can go into the ark which you made, like the Lord Jesus, right? This covenant is based on what you make. And, and and Jesus made and became the author and the finisher of our faith, the author of our salvation. And he says, but and you can bring seven people into this ark with you, his sons, his wife, and his, and their three wives. That's seven total, which is a type of the church that is saved by our heavenly Noah, so to speak. But not only that, not only does it foreshadow the church made up of Jew and Gentile, really, uh, because remember the daughters um, – of, of of Noah's sons. I think we're seeing two made into one here, but that's for another day. Now, here's something really interesting because because Genesis chapter 7 verse 4, will you read that brother Jeremy? Yes. For yet 7 days for yet 7 days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And verse 5 says, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. So here's something very interesting, because we have we have a, a seven-day period before the actual judgment falls, right? He tells Noah, yes. there's going to be seven days, and then here comes the flood. And then he uses the, he says, I'm going to pour out this flood for 40 days. And 40 is a type of judgment, right? The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years yes. as a result of God's judgment on them. So we we see the numbers consistent in Scripture here with judgment and seven representing uh, the amount of time before the judgment would be poured out. He said, for, in another seven days, he says, I'm going to judge the world. Well, this is a foreshadow of, of Calvary. 
because we know that Calvary is where God poured out the judgment, and he alerts Noah that it's going to come in seven days. For those of you who aren't trained in the scriptures well enough, let me just tell you this, that when Jesus, when you go and read in John chapter 11 and 12, you know, in there, and it talks about Jesus riding into Jerusalem, when he came into Jerusalem, and they were all saying, Hosanna to the highest, and they're putting all them palm branches down and stuff. That was seven days before the crucifixion. Wow. And and it's and, and and here we have Noah as a type having revealed to him you've got seven days left before the judgment. So we have a foreshadow of Calvary as the judgment, because that's where it happened on the cross. Jesus came into Jerusalem seven days before judgment was poured out upon him. Noah is told there's seven days before you have to get into the ark because judgment is coming. It's a foreshadow of that future Passover. And to make things, to just hurry this up and close it out, because there's so much more we could look at, I want to go forward. We know that the, the flood came and that, that the church was preserved uh, in, in Christ, just like Noah's seven family members were preserved in Noah inside the ark which he made, that ark being a type of the cross by which we were protected and many other types. But it's a beautiful figuring of how the church would be born. After the waters are poured out, a whole bunch of stuff we could talk about, which we don't got time to get in. I encourage you to study these things on your own. But the Bible tells us that they're in the ark. God shuts the door, and so they're preserved. But not only the seven, which represent the seven-branch menorah, which is representative of, of the church, the seven churches of the book of Revelation uh, is how they're presented. But also remember, he brought in every animal that, that God brought to him, right? So right. all the animals came in the ark too. And so what that is telling us and revealing to us is it's a perfect type of Christ because he paid the price for all creation, right? It wasn't yeah, just for yeah. humanity, but for all creation. All creation was saved as a result of the Lord. And and the judgment was comprehensive because as the Bible describes the judgment of the flood, the waters rose all the way up, even above, 15 cubits above the height of the tallest mountains on the planet, right? <laughs> so mm. it, it, it figures how the judgment was comprehensive throughout all creation. And yet there's this 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 group of seven and all the animal kingdom and so forth and so on that was preserved as a result of of our heavenly noah a type of our, of our of our lord jesus christ so so now they're they're floating around in this thing and the door is shut it's a type of the crucifixion judgment is poured out at the end of seven days which we already discussed but after all the flood and everything like that we get to genesis chapter eight Harry, can you turn over there brother jeremy yes genesis chapter eight yeah and would you read to us verse 13 yes it says, and it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from uh, off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Praise God. What most people won't know because they're not really uh, schooled in, in the Hebrew calendar is that? But you can go look at it in the Exodus story. Remember when when the de destroyer was going to come through and judgment was going to come through to Egypt, and, and God announces to Moses something very interesting. He says that that 
that the month of Nisan would be considered what? The first month, right? In their calendar. Are you familiar yes. with that? Yes. So turn up there, Brother Jeremy, and read that to us with us so people know what we're talking about. We're almost done. Don't <laughs> get don't get bored what, here. If you're bored, I don't what, know. You need to get saved. What <laughs> <laughs> what's the scripture, brother? I'm looking for where I think it's uh Exodus chapter ten. Let me see here real quick. Uh ten, eleven. Okay, verse twelve. Look at what he said. I mean, chapter 12. I'm sorry, Brother Jeremy, would you read? Yes, chapter 12, chapter 12. verse 10. Verse, uh, no, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2. Uh, chapter 12 of Exodus. Yeah. It says, and the, and the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Yes, and in the Hebrew, that month is known as the month of Nisan. It is the first Passover. It's when the lamb was slain and the judgment uh, came upon the world, but it passed over the children of Israel, right? So check out when, yeah. Moses, when Noah comes out of the ark. Read verse 13 of chapter 8. So eight thirteen says, And it came to pass that in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. So this is powerful because the first month and the first day, we know now by comparing Scripture with Scripture that the first month is called Nisan. It's the same yes. month when the judgment came upon Egypt. It's the same month when the lamb was slain. And, and it's the same month when the when the when the judgment was over and 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 the and the and the land is dry we see mm -hmm. a hint towards passover and and he tells noah to what now take the covering off the ark right <laughs> yes <Awesome. laughs> open the door <laughs> Amen. <laughs> open the door and come out see jesus came out in the first month hallelujah he came out on that, and the reason it's the first day, I believe, is because that's really the beginning of creation, a whole new creation. You know, Jesus yeah. rose on the third day, but when he came out of the tomb, it was really the first day, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so it's the first month of the first day, like the Lord Jesus. The same month as Passover, the first day is a type of, of resurrection. Noah opens the door. Right. And, and, and God removed the stone for the Lord Jesus. And when he came up, came out of that grave, he was the beginning of the creation of yes. God. A brand new day had begun. And, and what's really cool is there's now no more sin. Right. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's all been done away with. It was all judged. And those that were hidden with Noah in the ark are the only ones now that have right to the new world. Just like we are hidden in Christ and, and we'll have right to that new world that's coming. And what's really cool to me here is there's there's no more curse, right? Uh, the curse has been lifted. Read verse 21, would you, Brother Jeremy? Yes, of chapter 8. It says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. 
for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. So as a result, right, uh, it's the first day that they come out, that the earth is dry, that the, the door is open as a type of coming out like the resurrection. And God says, there's no more curse. I'm not going to curse the ground anymore. It's been paid for. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. no, there's, there's no more sin, right? But one thing that really caught my attention was, which was cool, was Noah. And this is really cool because, because that's, again, it's a type. When Noah comes out, what does he do in verse 20, Brother Jeremy? Would you read verse 20? Verse 20. It says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, right? So it's yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Noah, the curse has been paid for. He comes out in the right. month Nisan, which is Passover. The door is open, which is the resurrection. And now it's a sweet-smelling savor before the Lord, and he will no longer curse the earth. Jesus paid the price for, for, for that, and he took upon himself, you know, our punishment. And Noah offers an offering, which is a type of coming to God by way of, of Christ, right, and his sacrifice. That's how we come to God now. What's interesting to me is that there was one other sacrifice that first started in the beginning before the judgment, right? It was the sacrifice of Abel, remember? Right. The sacrifice of Abel. But can you read the Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, as we close, Brother Jeremy, real quick? Yes. Hebrews 12. Yes. Because oh, I believe this, yes, I believe that this is a foreshadow of the coming ultimate judgment on the world because Abel's sacrifice and his blood that was shed demanded something. Are you there? Yes. 1224, and, would you read that? Yeah, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So Abel's blood was shed, but it demanded in another place of scripture was vengeance and judgment, right? And that's indeed what came. Yes. And, and, and and when Noah comes out and all the symbolic things that we've been talking about, he now offers a sacrifice. Only this time it speaks something better. It speaks of no more curse, no more sin. It's all been wiped away. It's it's yes. it's the gospel. And and to the Father, notice it's not no longer Elohim, right? This is for the Father and the Lord said, right? We talked about the difference between the Lord and the word God. <laughs> this is the Lord himself. It, it's pleasing to the Father. And he says, I will no longer curse the earth. Now our attention is turned. And this is the beautiful type. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, what does it say, Brother Jeremy? Genesis 9, 1 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's the gospel, brother. Go into all the world. <laughs> right. Alan, yes. Right? Amen. So, Amen. so the seven come out, right? <laughs> and uh, and they're commanded to go fill the earth, man. And that's what Jesus told us, right? When he came out that, that door, 
when he came out that tomb, he had a he had a new church. It was the first day. It was during Nisan. Yeah. The price had been paid. God says no more curse. It's a sweet smelling savor. And then he sends his family into the world. It says now go be fruitful and multiply. Preach the gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory the gospel of Jesus Christ as seen through the life of Noah. Can you say amen? Mm. <laughs> amen. My mind. Because uh, Hebrews what 1, God, God who has sundry times and in diverse manners spoken times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. I got it. And, and, what, and what we're seeing here uh, from the book of Genesis and, and going forth, as Hebrews talks about, right, and, and we just read about it, uh, and he, he's, he's little by little uh, in, in different ways, a different time, expounding on the gospel, yeah. right? And we see it through Adam, the story of Adam, Enoch, Noah. He's, he's little by little revealing the, the redemptive work of Christ through all these stories. Yes. Here a little, there a little. Right? Yes. Until we finally come to Jesus and it all makes sense. You know, Praise and he, he now speaks to us through him. And we see him in all these little stories, powerful stories. We see him speaking to us. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Yes. And he came. And he's coming again. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, this has been a tremendous uh, study and revelation, you know, seeing Jesus. <laughs> that 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 has to be, you know, as students of the word, what we learn from this is that our objective, whenever we study the word of God, the first objective that you must have is how can I see Jesus? And if you um if you purpose in your heart to find Jesus in every part of the scripture, you will find it. And that in turn will unlock so many beautiful, uh, such beautiful revelation, and it will magnify Jesus Christ in your heart. Amen. We pray that you've been blessed Amen. today with, with this Bible study, and, and we invite you to join us to, uh, tomorrow um, and, and be with us and as we continue to glean, <laughs> as we continue to glean from the Word of God. It's beautiful. The Word of God is inexhaustible. You can Amen. never get too much of it. It only leaves you wanting for more and more. And then after that, you'll find out when you get to heaven that not even half has been told. Glory to God. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Look forward to being with you all tomorrow, all you that are listening. And uh, may God bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep looking up.